you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. What's your favorite scary movie? Oh, come on. You know I don't watch that shit. Why not? Too scared. No. No, it's just, what's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. comedy podcast we're gonna tell you the entirety of a movie spoilers and all i'm catch reporter and i'm kim burns yeah i'm gonna try to stay alive i'm gonna tell a ghost story today i don't know anything about this movie i know i like i know the movie that catcher's doing but i don't know a goddamn thing about it didn't even know it was a movie is fred astaire in it or is he a secret i don't know He's a secret. I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. Um, but before that, follow us on all the things at KK Sam Podcast on all the things except for the artist previously known as Twitter. Follow <laughs> us on all of the things except for that. We also have a Patreon where you can give us money so that we can keep doing this show. And we have a Facebook group, Sammy Stay Alive Maybe. And there's so many fun friendships happening in that group. I know. It makes me so happy. happy. Crazy happy. Um, There's like a chat that's happening in there. A couple chats, (laughs) I think. (laughs) Kim and I are. I'm going to get more specific than that. There's a chat. There's a chat. I. (laughs) It looks really. It looks fun in there. It looks like fun conversations are happening. Um, We also have a merch store. And what am I missing? Oh, like, like, and subscribe and write us mm-hmm. a review, five-star review, because we'll sing about it, much to my chagrin. We will. Much yeah. to my grin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, I had a big week, guys. Um, oh, yeah. I've never felt so loved in the entirety of my life. And the biggest lesson that I got from my birthday week was that I need to learn how to really take in being appreciated and loved because it was 
such an amazing, beautiful week for my birthday that all of my loved ones planned and surprised me so many times. My adrenal system was (laughs) on overdrive. (laughs) Um, It started with Eric taking me to my neighborhood coffee shop uh, where I go every morning and I know everybody. And who happens to also be ordering a coffee there but Peg and Skip from Baltimore. Yep. They flew into town. They found someone to take care of the dog. They left their paddock for me. And I really cannot stress to you how big of a deal that is for them and how appreciative I am of that. Paddock is like a oh yeah indoor porch area for those of you that aren't um, hearth people. <laughs> right. Uh, that's actually not a hearth people thing. That's a Peggy Porter thing because a paddock is actually where horses live. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's well, actually. That's what they refer to their living indoor room. porch living room kind of thing. Yeah. It's because my mom is, is not only a hearth girl, she's also a horse girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I got another, so I got another surprise. Um, well, we'll get to that. My party that Eric and my cousin Allison planned was awesome. And there were so many fun Baltimore touches. The one that I was most excited about was lemon peppermint sticks, which everyone from Baltimore thought was like a universal thing, but it's absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend, it. um, you stick a very particular type of peppermint stick into the center of a half lemon and you suck the lemon juice through the porous peppermint stick and it is a fucking delight. And I will put a link in the show notes or Kim will put a link in the show notes to the proper peppermint stick to get and you're welcome um, to take in just um, sort of not realizing how difficult it is for me to like taken uh being so appreciated and loved so another birthday present to myself yes another birthday present to myself will be unpacking that in therapy (laughs) (laughs) happy birthday (laughs) yeah um and caradwin is getting bigger and learning how to get out of all of the places we're trying to keep her like bathtubs and tents and things like that and uh, Tallulah and Hatter are have not eaten her yet. So great. That's I think those are all of my updates. Over to you, Ms. Burns in the news. I have room. no updates. My whole week was your week. My, the Kim's whole week was my week. <laughs> <laughs> also, I told Kedrin at <laughs> one of the things I was like. I knew about all like the surprise people coming in and like I brought Anna to like the restaurant and stuff. But like I wasn't sure what she knew about and what she didn't. And I knew about like each day like things that were happening, but I just didn't know. I knew the people were a surprise. I just didn't know if anything else was a surprise or what else was happening. Right. And so I just like didn't speak to her about her birthday like at all. <laughs> like I just never brought it up. <laughs> and I was like not trying to ruin I, any surprises. I, I, that was very smart. There were a lot of them and there was a lot of events. So, yeah, I feel like yeah. that must have been. And it was hard to keep track of like who was going to what where. she knows about and what she doesn't. Yeah, it was. Well, you did a fantastic job. It was great. <laughs> um, you facilitated and kept your mouth shut beautifully. So and I'm very excited about our gift to each yeah. other. Kim had the most brilliant idea because our birthdays are 
close-ish together. Definitely, but I think our birthdays feel so close together because they're both in the holiday season. Holidays, yeah. So it feel like those three months go so fast, but like, yeah, and feel so busy. Like I don't consider me having a birthday close to someone born in August. Right. Yeah, that's true. You know, but I do. I'm like, oh, Kim and I, Kim and I are like basically born on the same day. (laughs) (laughs) Two months apart. (laughs) I'm still a baby. Kim is still a teeny tiny little baby. (laughs) Um, But we're going to do a full spa day together. Not just a massage, but the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. No. Best friend spa day. Mm hmm. And I also learned about so many new seltzers. I'd like to point everyone's attention to this one. Is it Mandarin Marshmallow? Oh, no. <laughs> it is absolutely in a Waldorf salad. In a Waldorf salad. <laughs> Better Guys. known as Ambrosia salad. Guys, <laughs> I fucking knew that it was an Ambrosia salad. And I don't know why I kimmed all over that conversation. Like, I, I fucking know it's I just Ambrosia salad. You. I know. And so I really steered you wrong. My apologies. <laughs> anyway, this is Ashland Hard Seltzer, and it's strawberry shortcake, which oh, you'd, yum. you'd think would be kind of ambrosia salad-y, hmm. but it's not because it's very not sweet. Like, extremely oh. not sweet, which you know is my jam. Yeah. So, yeah. That's our seltzer recommendation of the episode. <laughs> Not a sponsor, although they not could a sponsor. Be. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you want to hear about a movie? I do. So I watched. Uh, I really planned ahead this week because I knew that I was going to have like a lot of um, I didn't know what they were, but I was going to have a lot of birthday festivities at the time that I normally watch my movies. So I asked the patrons like two weeks ago, like, what do I watch? And that's all I said. Um And uh, got some suggestions, and I picked the one that I thought would be most appropriate as we approach Halloween. Mm. So this evening, I'm going to tell you a ghost story. Yay. And it came out in 1981. It was directed by John Irvin. It was written by Peter Straub and Lawrence D. Cohen. And it is not about Fred Astaire, though I wish it was like a ghost story about Fred Astaire's ghost coming back Aww. to life. And just tap dancing around your living you just, room. You just hear tap dancing all over. They do say that Shirley Temple's ghost is in the Roosevelt and she tap dances down the stairs. Really? Like the main stairs that go into like the main so, ballroom. Ballroom. Not ballroom, but the main open Area. I would have called. Oh, call? lobby, lobby. Yeah, Fred Astaire is just in it, and I believe this was his last movie role. Um, I could How? be making that up. I probably should have looked it up. I'll post more of it. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, but this was suggested by one of our OG patrons, Isaac Thorne. Oh, thanks, so Isaac. This little ghost story goes out to all of the Sammies, but specifically. Isaac Thorne. Um, It's also starring um, an actress named Alice Krieg, who I learned about because when we did Gretel and Hansel, or Hansel and Gretel, Gretel and Hansel, I think, um, the witch who was like so, like, 
beautiful and fascinating to watch. Like, it kind of doesn't matter what you, like, thought about that movie. You kind of can't deny that it is, like, a piece of art. And none other, no other part was as artistic as The Witch, played by Alice Krieg. And I remember our other OG, Sammy Mack Parker, being like, oh, my God, I love Alice Krieg. I love Alice Krieg so much. Well, she's kind of like an oldish lady now. She's in this as a young seductress Ooh. and the results are in Mac and Kim and all of the Sammies. I was seduced. I <laughs> okay. would very much be under the spell of 1981 Alice Creek. Nice. She is not of this realm or planet and I can't I wait to see pictures. Want to, well, you also have to like. Oh, it's like the watch, vibe. Yeah, you got to like watch. Yeah. Particular clips of her because it's like okay. her essence, her vibe. Um. Anyway, I'm not just going to talk about Alice Creek today. Can I tell you another fun fact that Sammy told me? No. About my movie from last week. What? So the doctor that you loved so much from Friday the, the 13th part. Seven. Yes. Who's a trash monster. Yeah. <laughs> he's also Bernie in <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's? Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> you had one third of the title already out. <laughs> you don't want to know the amount of things that went through my brain to try to be like, what's that movie? <laughs> Vacation with Bernie. <laughs> Holiday like, trip to who's Bernie's. That Bernie. <laughs> who's that Bernie? <laughs> what about Bernie? What about Bernie? <laughs> Might have questions for some reason. That that's what threw me off. What about Bernie? He's Bernie. Yeah, he's Bernie. Oh my god, I love it. Yeah, this movie also has. I will have to do a deep dive post mortem on this because I tried to find it on IMDb, <laughs> but this has a bunch of old men in it. And the reason that's relevant is because you recognize, I recognized 100% of the old men in them. But then when I tried to IMDb it, it was like 50 years of movies of me trying to be like, which one do I I know know them them from? So I was like, I'm going to fucking do this later. So just know that all the old men in this, you've seen them in everything you've ever watched. Great. Um, I will try and figure out what I know them from in a postmortem. Great. Um, Who do you know the old men from? I'll put it down. Yeah. Uh, all right. Dead or alive. You ready? Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't stop thinking about me being like, he's Bernie in. In. Ooh, what about Bernie? <laughs> <laughs> Who uh, do, how, no. Who do you know? What's the question you want to ask about this? Huh? Where do I know them Old from? Men. Where do I know them from? There we go. Also, another traffic disclaimer. Something really weird is happening on my street. Kim and I have always had, like, traffic noises because we live in L.A. But there are, like, I think there is, like, a house of street racers living in my neighborhood. Because it is just, like, loud mufflers all day, every day. And I don't know what to do about it. So I can't pause for every fucking drag race happening outside of my window. Um, all right, David. Hmm. Alive. Ricky. 
Alive. John. Dead. Ned or Edward. Dead. Ned, Ed, dead. Ned, Ed, dead. <laughs> Ned, Ed, dead. Uh, Sears. Dead. Don. Alive. And Ava. Alive. Not bad, Miss Burns. Not mm. bad at all. All right. Here we go. 1981. You can see it. Just out of the 70s. So that's the vibe of the, of the movie. A lot of brown. A lot of brown. And like orange. Yeah. Orange. A lot of it. Um, like your shirt. A, yes. I love this shirt. I'll show it to you later. Oh, it's buttons. Yeah. And it's cropped. <laughs> and it's cute. Oh. And I have three of them in different colors. Oh. Um, Join right. our Patreon to see Ketrin's shirt. Fashion hour. <laughs> um, all right. It's a snowy town. Snowy small town. Snowy New England small town. Um, and there is an old man in a hearth room pacing. And this hearth room is like, hi, I'd like to look up in the image dictionary a picture of a hearth room. This is what it is. Like old man sipping brandy included, right? Like that's how hearthy we are right now. Okay. We then cut to another old man having a nightmare in bed, like kind of like a cold flop sweat moaning nightmare. And his wife comes in to check on him and is like trying to wake him up. And what we hear the old man saying is like, I don't believe it. No pulse, no pulse. She's dead. Then we cut to Fred Astaire also having a nightmare in bed. Cut to a fourth old man. Having a flop sweat moaning oh nightmare gosh. in bed. So we have four old men that we are going to need to keep track of. Hearthman is Sears. Um, first old man. Oh, I don't I don't know. Uh, third old man is Fred Astaire and fourth old man is the other one. I can't remember which one came first is all I mean. It's John, Ned, Ricky and Sears are the four old men. That was so complicated. I have no idea who anyone is. Also, the numbers appeared to be mixed up as well. So, you know what? It was like, Hearthman <laughs> is Sears. First man is this. Third man is Fred Astaire. And I was like, what are we talking about here? I, you know what? I don't know. I'm sleepy. I'm, you're just going to have to get on this ride and there's going to be some bumps and turns, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not um, so now we cut to all four of the old men we just saw having tumultuous night sleeps sitting in Sears's hearth room and Sears is telling a literal ghost story. Ghost ghost story. Ghost. He's telling a literal ghost story and the other three men are listening. They're all in like Tuxes with tails, like that level of dressed up, sipping brandy. And we catch the tail end of the ghost story. So he smoothed out the soil and set the cross back upright at the head of the grave. And then he went back to bed. But outside in the graveyard, in the wind, there was still a faint wisp of sound, almost like a song alive still 
alive. Alive! (laughs) (laughs) And the other three men are like, wow, great story. Great scare. This was fantastic. Entertainment of the season. And they're all standing in their tuxes and they're about to be like, okay, well, good night, good night, blah, blah, blah. Sears wants to have another brandy. Uh, But doctor, Dr. John is like, I haven't been sleeping very well. So Ned is like, I'll take you home. Who's Fred? Fred is the one who says now, uh, you know, in 10 years, all of the men of this generation will only be wearing ties to funerals. Like, cause somebody comments on like them being in their nice tux or whatever. And him saying like, kids these days, they don't wear tuxes to sit in our living rooms. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) And I was like, wow, prescient, prescient, Fred. Um, And, but before they leave, Sears is like, okay, a final toast. And they say, to the Chowder Society. The Chowder Society. Chowder. Chowder? Chowder. 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 Yeah. Wow. The Chowder Society. So I'm down for that society. I join. Do we want to be the chowder? We Do should I get let sink know. chowder all the time. Like I know that sink is the sink name, but like, should we also be a society? Yeah. Every patrons, tell us what society sink should be, and we'll <laughs> vote on it. <laughs> um, what society should the Sammies be? More importantly, oh two society votes. What society should sink be, and what society should the Sammies be? Sound off. We'll 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 put put a uh put it in Patreon to figure out what y'all should be. All right, so we now cut to totes diff vibe. So if that was old New England hearth town, this is fancy uptown apartment penthouse type of situation. 1981 Wall Street rich guy type of apartment Uh one whole wall is windows looking out over the city and we're in this apartment and we see that the tub is overflowing and there's a naked man walking around the apartment and a naked woman laying face down the naked man is saying who are you and the woman is responding But her voice doesn't sound like it's coming from the woman on the bed. Like it almost sounds like the way you might sound design a voice that the naked man is hearing in his head, if that makes sense. But he's he's referencing the woman laying in his bed. Um, And he's saying, who are you? And she says, sleeping. And he says, who are you? You woke me. Who are you? You know. He then like touches her shoulder and it's cold. He rolls her over. Spoogey dead face. Ah. She's got like Skelefrank wetness about her, but not bloody. It's very gray and spoogey. Skeleton face. This causes the man to jump back in alarm, obviously. He just boned a splooge skeleton without knowing it. 
and he falls out his penthouse window. And as he's, so 1981 special effects, you can tell it's just like him laying on green screen as like (laughs) it comes closer to him. But we get a full shot of dick and balls. Oh, we love full, it. Full uncircumcised dick and balls, which I was so appreciative of. Love to um, see it. It was great. So he falls through his own window and then falls through like a glass ceiling in onto like the deck of an indoor pool. So like he's extremely deceased. In case you were unclear, he's dead. Got it. Cut to another man getting a phone call who looks like the first man, but sans mustache. So I was like, is this the same dude? Mm -hmm. But like they were styled so differently. And I was also kind of like, it's 1981. And so like, I don't know if just all dudes look like this, but uh, I knew that the first, that the second guy is the doctor from, Nightmare on Elm Street, the third one. He's the doctor, uh-huh. but like young, young him. So I had to look it up on IMDb. These are two brothers that are twins played by the same dude. Okay. So I'm just going to save you the confusion that I had for the entirety of the movie that doesn't actually matter or mean anything. So Don, who's the brother of Dick and Balls David, <laughs> gets a phone call and it's his father telling his son that old his dick and balls is, dead. is gone old dick and balls is gone dick and balls junior is gone uh we see that uh we then cut to don meeting his father at the airport like his dad is picking him up and uh his dad is ned from the chowder society okay Ned from the Chowder Society. You don't, it's not Fred. It's not Sears. It's fine. It's okay. Ned. Great. <laughs> it becomes more clear as we go. This is the clarity that I had at looking at all of these old men <laughs> as the movie progresses. I become more clear. Therefore, you will become more clear. Great. Okay. So Don and David's dad is Ned. Okay. All right. And he's a very typical like greatest generation dad, you know, like uh, fought in the second world war kind of dude, very disapproving of his son's perfectly reasonable, like corduroy suit and nice haircut. But he's just kind of like, you know, kids these days comments on him looking like disheveled and whatever. And, he like doesn't hug his son. They shake hands. And I was like, ugh, I've seen this father son dynamic. This is never healthy or good. Um, and he kind of like, you know, picks him up and then comments on his suit and like shakes his head in disapproval. And Don follows him out. Cut to them driving home. And it's just kind of like awkward not just because the brother died but also just like clearly this dad disapproves of this particular brother like lost the one that died is the one that he approved of basically Uh yeah and they're driving through the small snowy town 
And we now cut to them eating dinner. And it's a very chilly dinner. Uh, and they're sitting in silence. And Don says to his dad, you know, dad, talking about it might help. Question one, you're the dad. What do you do? What does he do? Definitely talk about it. You. He, me. Uh-huh. He definitely does not. Starting this ghost story off with a double ding. That Kim too knows easy. A, Kim knows a dysfunctional <laughs> parent-child relationship when she sees one. So it's, uh, dad is silent. And the son is just kind of like, right. Dad then changes the subject and asks how... Uh, how his writing is going or whatever. And Don is like, yeah, I had other things on my mind and I didn't finish out the term. Mm. His dad is obviously disapproving. (laughs) And Don then says to his dad, who, if you remember, just said he didn't want to talk about it. He says, I don't believe that David fell. Mm. I don't believe that he, uh, you know, took his own life or fell accidentally. He says, I think he was mirrored. Yeah. Whoa. Dad doesn't want to talk about it. You got it. And so Don goes further and is definitely trying to like goad his dad into like talking about it. And he says, I knew the girl he was going to marry dad. Dad doesn't respond. Don says, I slept with her. Do you hear me? I slept with the woman that David was going to marry. And Don... Dad slams his fist down on the table. And he says, your brother's body is barely cold. And here you are talking about having sex with his fiance. Table bang. <laughs> um, so that conversation went exactly nowhere. Cut to David's funeral. All so Don slept with... Dick and Ball's fiance? Yeah. I mean, Don, you're suspect number one at this point. What? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> but he wants to talk about it. No one will talk to him about it. So we, maybe he's, maybe he has information that'll take him off the suspect list. We don't know, but no one will let him talk. So. Funeral. Don's there. Dad's there. Uh, John, Ricky, and Sears all there cut to dawn now okay so now it's now it's like nighttime like maybe the next night or whatever and dawn is coming home to his dad's house like from the you know from the bar and dad is asleep in his study his hearth room and he's like moaning like he's having a nightmare so dawn wakes him up (laughs) startled and Don's like okay dad well like I'm gonna turn in you know are you gonna go to sleep or whatever and his dad says 
you know, you're all I have left now. Hmm. Maybe we could go fishing. I'd like okay, that. Okay, Dad. And Don is like, okay, Dad. Like, just <laughs> little boy. He's so excited. And Dad tells him to, like, hey, maybe you could stay around for a little while and help me out around here. And Don is just, like, glowing. Like, absolute glow face. He's so excited about it. Cut to Fred Astaire in bed. He, Fred Astaire is Ricky. Is Fred in black and white or in color? Color. Never seen it. Never seen him in color. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. They actually had to film all of his movies in black and white because he's black and white. He's Otherwise, actually black and white. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun mm. fact. Mm-hmm. Because if they had filmed it, can you imagine if they had filmed him in color and he was the only thing in black and white? Our audience would have, audiences would have been, that's too much for them. Mm-hmm. Too yeah. much for them. Um, also, the art of tap dancing is black and white. Don't you feel like that? When I picture no. tap, when I picture tap dancing, I'm like, it's black and white. I only see tap dancing in black. What color is tap dancing to you? It's like shiny red shoes like sparkly shoes or something wild oh my god that's crazy but maybe yeah. i'm thinking of dorothy from the wizard of oz i think i am does she oh. but she taps her heels <laughs> together she doesn't do heels. a tap i dance. almost said hooves <laughs> <laughs> she, she taps her tap heels her hooves. yeah all right don't listen to my brain i guess <laughs> i actually think of black shoes there you go. See, tap dancing is black and white. Tapping one's heels to get home, red and sparkly. Red and sparkly. <laughs> Personally, I think of this Eminem song. I'm not going to know the name of it. Uh, and that reminds me of tap dancing because that's what I did for my final in um, who's he, what's his Lester's class. Lester's class. class Shout out to Lester. I, I almost said R.I.P. Lester. I'm sure he's alive Ooh. and well. I don't know I why I said so. that. I meant shout out to Lester. Um, I never took a tap dance with Lester, but Anna and Kim and Jenna, I think all did. And I so, took like, a tap dance? I think I took a jazz. Yeah. And so I'm not a dancer. They are dancers. These were my first dance classes ever. Yeah. Um, good old Lester. What are we talking about? Oh, Fred Astaire. <laughs> Who's in tap color. dancing. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is having a nightmare, but we also kind of like hear part of his nightmare. And it's a woman like kind of softly laughing a little maniacally in his dream. Uh, Fred Astaire's wife, Ricky's wife, comes in, wakes him up and hands him some water. And... She's got a really cool voice. Her voice really reminded me of my uh, grandma Gax because it's a smoker's voice, honestly, is what it is. But, like, it's just very, very deep and raspy and coming out Mm -hmm. of, like, an older woman. I just, I loved it. I found it very comforting. I wanted Fred's wife in this movie a lot more. And she's like, do you want to tell me about it? You know, the dream. And he's like, no. And she blames it on all the all the ghost stories that he and his friends tell to each yeah, other. Yeah, you and the chowder crew. You and the chowder crew were always telling those ghoul stories. Um, and then she rolls over and she's like, "What are you fools up to?" And 
Ricky is just like black magic and she's like, you're nuts. And I was like, oh, that's going to be me and Eric. Like, I just can't. I'm like so excited to be like a fussy old couple with Eric. To be? What? <laughs> I was waiting for how you were going to make that joke. Touche. 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 Um, I just like, like, they're just like all like, they're just all like fussy at each other. But like, it's so loving and cute. I just, it's going to be me and Eric. Is me and Eric. <laughs> Cut to another one of the old men having a dream. And uh, in this dream, I think it's Ned. So I think it's Don's, Don and David's dad uh, having a dream. And he sees in his, we see his dream and it's Don getting married. Mm. And the bride, you know, with a face covering veil turns around from the altar and all four of our old men are in the front pew and uh they're all kind of like they have a face at her but like we don't we don't see uh do we see her maybe we see, we just see her face under the veil that's what it is but at that moment don comes in and wakes his dad up from the nightmare but the door is locked, so he's only kind of, like, knocking on the door when he hears his dad, like, crying out. And he's like, Dad? And he's, like, trying to open the door. Dad wakes up, and we hear him from inside be like, I'm fine. Just a dream. And Don is kind of worried, but, like, goes, goes back to bed. But then he thinks he hears a woman. Don does? Yeah. As he's mm. walking back to bed laughing or crying. Or both, but ignores it. Goes back to bed. Cut to the next morning, but like very early, early morning, uh, because the the snow plows are out, and uh, he walks outside. Like he walks outside into the snow with kind of no like aim it's almost like he's like walking out of his own house but like doesn't recognize the street he's coming out onto almost is don or who don uh, okay. i'm sorry his dad don's dad don's dad walks out and kind of is just like looks confused and it's an old man so i'm like oh no is it like dem dementia town mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and he starts just kind of like walking down the street and the mailman sees him and is like, morning, Mr. Mayor. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, He's uh, the mayor. He's the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Ned doesn't respond. And so the mailman is just kind of like, okay. And I'm like, mailman, you're seeing the old mayor confused walking around in the snow, like, and doesn't respond to you when you directly address him. Like, please assist him in some way sir but he doesn't he just goes about on his route ned kind of like starts running a little bit like old man run old man in snow boots run you know mm -hmm. so like just kind of like miming the run if you will <laughs> and he sees in front of him a, a man walking with his back to him and he starts calling 
And he starts calling, David! Mm. David! Which is his dead son. And he follows him to a bridge. Uh, the snow plow is like coming and like kind of sees the whole thing happening. He stops uh, on the center of the bridge and there's no David. There's no man. The man that he was following is not there anymore. But he hears someone say, Ned? And he turns. Monster woman face, Splooge face. And he falls off the bridge and lands cursed splat on the ice. Oh, shit. There's no mayor of this town. He is dead. The chowder factory did something to this woman. The chowder factory? Yes, the chowder factory. I don't know what you guys did to her, but Mm -hmm. she's getting revenge. Yep chowder factory i like that guys when you name our society i'm gonna need (laughs) you to change the word society to factory so do with that as you will so he's dead curse blatt so don just lost his brother and his dad in a matter of days the driver of the snowplow sees the whole fucking thing and is like holy shit And then he looks over and he sees this was actually really cool how they did this, because as I said, it's 1981. So we only have access to a certain level of special effects. This is a woman standing off to the side, like kind of in the woods, in the snow, and she's in all black. And so, like, you can clearly see, like, her her feet that she's standing there. But then they almost made it so that she's wearing this, like, gauzy veil and it made it look like her image was blurry almost. So you're kind of mm. only seeing like a shadow of her, but it was just what they did with like practical effects. Cool. It was, yeah, it was really cool. Um, and she's laughing. So creepy ghost shadow woman is laughing at the death of the mayor. It, it's not great. You don't want to see it. So now we cut to what remains of the chowder factory convening because one of their members is dead. Yeah. And the f- they're all convening in Sears's hearth room. The phone's ringing off the hook. And uh, I, I think it's Sears's secretary maybe comes in and is like, uh, the local paper wants you to write an obituary for the mayor, blah, blah, blah. And Sears kind of like brushes her off. And Sears tells Ricky to do it, Fred Astaire to do it. John, uh, who's a doctor, is very upset and honestly seems like the oldest of all of them. Like they're all clearly the same age, but you know how some people just like age so much quicker he seems much older than the rest of them and he's almost crying this would have been this was like animal stuff for you like seeing Mm. dr john cry was like a little too much for me and i was like this i i don't want to watch this yeah it was it was not yeah it was it was a little it was a little much but he's basically saying like he's he's like i don't believe that ned would kill himself because obviously all the snowplow guy saw or anything and all the mailman mm-hmm. saw mm-hmm. was him just kind of out of his 
brain and and kind of you know jumping falling off a bridge over nothing so obviously they think it looks like suicide and his son just died so like that's kind of just what people are assuming happened so john is very upset and uh ricky he's taken home like basically i think the secretary comes in and is like let me let me take you home dr john kind of thing because he's just like sobbing and um sears then says to ricky fred astaire he's like uh ricky is basically like we need to talk about what happened and Sears is like, I don't want to talk about it now. And Ricky is like, yes, now. Cut to Don going down into his dad's basement. It's the clean out time. And he's looking through old pictures of his dad and the Chowder Society. It's like in an old trunk. And... He finds a picture in this trunk, but it's like taped to the underside of the trunk lid and like very like he can only tell because it's like kind of peeling away. And he's like, what the fuck? So he takes the picture and he looks at it and it's the four of them and then a woman with a blurry face. And her face is blurry because it's an old-timey picture, so clearly she, like, moved. Mm -hmm. And it made her face Mm -hmm. blurry. So he keeps the photo. Cut to Ricky and Sears. And Sears, again, wants to, like, avoid the topic. But Ricky is like, we have to do something. We don't know what they're talking about, but he says we have to do something. So now we cut to Ricky by himself... Going into this old abandoned mansion. And it has clearly been abandoned for like 60 years. Like it's, it's a, it's, it's, nobody's been in there. And as he walks in, he actually kind of like hears a woman's laughter. He's looking all around the house. And then he goes up to one of the rooms and he finds a little boy about 10 years old. And he's sort of like, what are you doing here, little boy? And then an older man comes out from behind a wall and he's spinning a woman's hat on his hand. So we're like, oh, this is a creepy guy. And he's kind of He's kind of dirty and he looks kind of kooky and he's hanging out with a child in an old abandoned mansion. So we we know that he's maybe a, a ruffian of some kind, a hooligan, if you will, a, a, <laughs> okay. d- a derelict, um, you know, not of not not chowder society material, right, if you right, know what right, I mean. Right, right, right. So Ricky is like, who are you? You're trespassing. And the older man says, no, we know the owner. But he's very like, I'm crazy. (laughs) And Ricky is like, there is no owner. But it's all being very cryptic. Nobody's really saying the thing that they're all saying, but they're all saying the thing kind of thing. And then the little boy, who we learn his name, Fenny, F-E-N-N-Y. 
Fenny stands up and he's in like an old lady's dress. And they start kind of like cornering Ricky, right? And the older man is like, you're going to see things you wouldn't believe, Ricky. And Ricky's like, "Ah!" and runs out of the house. Question two, what do you do? What does Ricky do? I am going to go tell the Chowder Society. Okay. He is not going to say a word. Point for you. He doesn't tell the Chowder Society, but he does go straight to the police. And luckily, the police station has about 20 printouts of various derelicts that he's able to (laughs) flip through and say, that's the one. And, of course, this particular derelict escaped from a mental institution, obviously. And his name is Gregory Bate. And not to be confused with Norman Bates. Bates. That's his uncle. They dropped the S after, you know, all of the drama. Once removed. Yeah, right. Every every generation drops a letter from the name. Mm -hmm. So his kid is Bat. Mm -hmm. Stephanie Bat. Yep. And then grandkid, Ba. Gertrude Ba. (laughs) Then there's little little Sally B. (laughs) And then there's Bernie. (laughs) Yeah, then they start adding letters back on after that. So Ricky runs out. He goes to the police station. We have that scene I just told you. But right before that, Fenny and Gregory walk into like another room of the mansion and kind of close the door. And we hear Gregory say, he did good, didn't he? Like referring to Fenny. And we hear a woman's voice that's very familiar say, he did. I loved it. Now, I'll tell you what you're going to do next. (sighs) Then we have the police station where it's the very convenient binder of ruffians that Ricky is able to identify Gregory Bate and we learn that he escaped from a mental institution in town. Cut to the town bell tolling, which I I would love to live in a town where the bell in the center square told me what time it was and told the rest of the town what time it was and maybe there was a little boy ringing it and that was his little job. <laughs> That's right. One day. It. One day. Did you know they're making a It's a Wonderful Life horror movie? What? Yeah. Wow. I'm all like, here for it. That couldn't be more of my favorite things combined. I, I mean, I just can't think of more of my favorite things combined. I, like I can't either. Puppies being adorable are in it. That don't make yeah. sense at all. Uh, no, I get to play with puppies while I watch it. That's the, more. That's great. Yeah. Uh, that's ballsy, man. Like, I know you and I are like the bullseye of the audience for that, but there's going to be some people that are pissed about that. And then people that are purists that like, that's just a ballsy project. I mean, I don't know, like how much it's the same st- or anything. I just, it's like basically like a horror, hol- horror, holiday horror movie, you know? Yeah. Well then 
Are you I think just it's pretending? Called, like, <laughs> are you just telling me that it's? Are you just equating it to that, or is the marketing of this film? No, I think it's called like that. it's a wonderful knife or something. But okay. now I'm not sure. No. <laughs> Kim's like. <laughs> It's a horror movie that takes place at Christmas. What if it was a wonderful life as a horror movie? And then you just create that narrative. For it yourself. is. It's a wonderful knife. Oh. Great. Horror comedy. Horror comedy, which is also you Release also date, love. November 10th, 2023. Let's watch it. Or do it. That's the pod. Good. I'll receive, re- reserve that for you if you would like I'm to do it. In. Thank you. Justin um, Long is in it. Shut up. I love that guy. Cut to a courtroom where the mayor's death is ruled a suicide. I don't know how this town's judicial system works, but apparently they people have to go to court to learn if something is a suicide or not. I don't know. Maybe because it was the mayor? Could be because it's the mayor, yeah. So as they're all leaving the courtroom, and by all I mean Sears, Ricky, Dr. John, and Don, uh, Ricky tells Don, he's like, meet me, at, meet me at the pub. So we now cut to a cop driving up to the mansion. So clearly Ricky was like, that's the dude and that little kid. They're squatting at the mansion I'm an influential white man in town, so please go check it out. Listen to what I say. Yeah. We're learning that Gregory Bate escaped from blah, blah, blah. And the boy is his little familiar, you know. (laughs) That's what they are. And um, obviously the way that they're describing the mental illness of these two people is not super sensitive. But we do learn that Gregory Bate and his little familiar Fenny are kind of are are like part of like an occult group or they were part of an occult group in the asylum, basically. And he's talking to the like he's telling the cop that's driving up to the mansion, like this is who you're looking for. And the cop that's driving up to the mansion, I was like, oh, my God, what do I recognize this dude from? He is the grumpy Monk in Sister Act 2. Oh, yeah. I know him. The, like, kind of younger one that's, like, kind of got sort of, like, squinty eyes like this. Um, you'd recognize him right away. But I was like, ah, oh, Sister Act 2 Monk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Cut to Ricky and Don at lunch at the pub. And... Ricky's going on about the invention of sidewalks. And Don is like, Ricky, did you, did you call me here? Did you call me here to talk about sidewalks? Because my dad and my brother are dead. Like, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> and, uh, and then he says a phrase. He says, Ricky says, Sears would brain me for saying this. And I was like, I had like uh, deja vu of hearing that phrase because I wrote a term paper in high, I was obsessed with Tennessee Williams in high, in high school. And I wrote a term paper about, uh, the themes of Tennessee Williams plays, blah, blah, blah. But I loved watching streetcar named desire cat on a hot tin roof. And one of like, uh, Elizabeth Taylor's, I can't remember the character's names, uh, uh, in the play is giving a speech about like, don't brain me brick. Like, 
And I was like, don't brain me. What the fuck does that mean? I thought it was like the weirdest thing. And then I was like, maybe this is like a common phrase among that generation. So I would like to look up what don't brain me means. But um, that's what Ricky is afraid that Sears is going to do if he finds out he's talking to Don about whatever the fuck this is. But he says, Ricky says, I think that we're in danger. Like, I think that the Chowder Society and you by association are in danger. Mm -hmm. Don then pulls out the picture and he asks who the woman is. And uh, Fred Astaire's got old man eyes where they're kind of like red underneath and like always a little watery. And he puts his glasses on to see it. But we don't learn what he says because we cut to um, grumpy monk cop inspecting the house. And he's in there and he's like, just a pair of loonies, if you ask me. Cockamamie nonsense. Someone's idea of a joke. And then a crow flies at him. <laughs> and uh, he then he's just kind of like, there's no one in here. Just crows or whatever. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So now we cut back to Don in the basement again of his dad's home and great old trunks. I mean, just gorgeous trunks uh, from the 20s. Just absolute exquisite specimens. Um, And he hears someone coming down the elevator lift in his dad's house wow fancy pants i was like holy moly fancy pants mcgee is right and it is gregory bait and fenny his familiar how'd they get in my house and don i i shit you not there is a stranger coming down the elevator shaft in his father's home and however long it takes for an elevator shaft to go down, it's not a quick moving thing. This is the shot of Don for like 20 minutes. <laughs> shock face. But like just sustained shock face doing nothing about a stranger very slowly coming into his home. And do you know anyone with an elevator in their home? I went to school with people with elevators in their home. Mm. I know one yeah. person, but they're in LA. Oh, tell me after. Tell me. Tell me secretly. <laughs> okay, in our secret society meeting, we'll have mm-hmm. it. We'll go over all of the people we know that have elevators. <laughs> Agenda <laughs> item number one. one. <laughs> 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 uh, so it's Gregory Bate and Funny. I think I said that. Don just stares until the elevator comes to a halt. Bait walks out and he walks out like very creepily. Like he's definitely like this guy like relishes being a creep because he walks out with his hands crossed across his chest. Like he's stepping out of a coffin, (laughs) just being a real, a real cut up, you know? And he starts saying the Lord's prayer. Gregory Bait does. So Kim, you are in a very hearthy home with an elevator, lots of old trunks, and you need to defend yourself. What are you going to grab? What does Don grab? Is there a hearth on this floor? You can safely assume that you always have access to a hearth in this home. I'm going to grab a fire poker. Okay. Hand in hand. That's my girl. 
She knows her hearth accoutrement. <laughs> uh, it's exactly what he grabs. And uh, this is also where I got like a good look at Gregory Bates' hair. It is crazy. It looks like the man has like very normal male pattern baldness where it's sort of like, you know, just sort of the strip along the side and like bald on top. But it appears, it seriously looks like he like glued hair onto the bald spot badly. <laughs> like I was like, I don't know if this is a costume choice or like a crazy person choice or both. I'm not sure, but it looked insane like fully just took tufts of hair and super glued it to the man's scalp it was so strange looking so don's grabbed a hearth weapon and gregory bates says so very sorry for your tragedy don and don's like how do you know my name there's also a giant organ there like a giant church organ he's like what <laughs> maybe Darryl. don't add it maybe don't add it to your resume yet. I have to hear it first it's sure, not, I sure. don't do as well just it's, off out of your head I get yeah. it I get it yeah <laughs> never it's never right up there never right up there yeah it's it's an imitation thing and then it's and then it's and then it's in there once she does it once it's in there she gets it but not her best so giant organ and he's like my name is Gregory Bate and he's like, though I've been known by other names in other places. You know, just being a stereotypical crazy guy. And he says, great treats are in store for you and your friends. Fenny! We have something special for you. A little present from our benefactor. And Fenny is like looking through the, the posts of the <laughs> staircase. Like he's in jail, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he pulls something very long out of his little mouth. And it's a, it's a jewels. It's a necklace. Jewels. And something about the way you just had your head and the way the microphone set up is, like, you looked like you didn't have a neck anymore. And it was just, <laughs> or no, like, you look like you're just a fake head. Like, you look like you're a floating head. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I didn't feel like I needed I it like anymore. It. <laughs> like you're a fake you're just a floating head I am a floating with head with a curtain behind you <laughs> um, so Don recognizes this necklace and looks scared of it he's like I know likey this necklace because he like kind of picks it up and twists it around picks it up with his hearth mall. like he doesn't even want to touch it uh oh and so now we cut to M- Millie. Millie is Millie is Dr. John's wife. So we are having a meeting of the Chowder Society at Dr. John's house. And Millie, his wife, is bringing in a candelabra of lit candles for the gentleman. And the gentlemen there are Sears, Dr. John, and Ricky. She's like, you're giving each other the willies in these meetings. So all of the wives are like, y'all are waking me up with your fucking nightmares every goddamn night. But you still keep telling these goddamn ghost stories every day and making us bring you like lit candelabras about it. Like, I'm, <laughs> like the wives are not here for it. Sure. So Ricky tells Sears and John 
he's like, yo, my dudes, Don found the picture. And Sears is dismissive again. And Ricky and or John are the ones who are like, we can feel things watching and following us. And they're like, you know, Sears, you dismiss them as fantasies. Um, you know, we have nightmares. And Ricky's like, I fear more of us will die. Sears doesn't want to hear it. Sears is just like, I'm going to drink brandy about it. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. interested in over it. putting a I fucking blanket over it. Suddenly Don comes in and is like, I think you're right. And Millie pops in behind him and is like, I told him you were to be disturbed. But they tell Millie to leave. I, I just. The men are talking. The men are. T- that is so the vibe of like this whole fucking movie. And honestly, it's like. I'll get there. So they tell Millie to leave. The men are talking. And Don says, I want to buy in to the Chowder Society. You got to pay to be in this ghost storytelling factory? Well, you pay. With your soul? (laughs) With With a ghost story. You pay with a ghost story. Oh, Kim's like ready to hand over her soul. But She's like, I think so. what does the chowder factory need? <laughs> I'm ready to give it. I don't know. It sounds like their souls have all been taken. So. I mean, yeah. So he's like, I'm gonna buy in with a ghost story. And he's like, two people have already died. Wait. Yeah, two people have already died. I think we are all living in a ghost story. <gasps> boom, boom. Yeah. So he starts a story. Here's where we're going to learn a little ghost story. Art thou ready? Yes. All right. So a ghost story. So Don starts his story and says, I'd landed landed a job as a lit teacher at a liberal arts college in Florida. So now we see liberal arts college, Florida, 1980. And he says, I was seeing a woman by the name of Helen Kayen. And uh, they're walking. Oh, postmortem. I want to postmortem what I know this lady from, too. She's got a very small part, but I'm like, she's in everything as well. Um, And as they're walking through the sort of bustling student hallway, Don and... Excuse me. Bless you. So sorry. As they're walking through the bustling hallway, Don and Helen uh, come across a woman, and this woman, Alice Krieg, says, Mr. Wanderley, and then, like, walks away. And he's intrigued because he's like, how do you know my name? And Helen is like, oh, that's the dean's new secretary. So now we cut to class and Don is teaching. And the line that we hear him say is, first thing she does is seduce him. First thing he does is be seduced by her. The first thing they do is hug their sins together and try to understand. 
And then the bell rings. And Bong. Don- yep. Bong. Well, no, it's a school bell. Oh. Bring. There you go. There oh, you go. more of a phone. Yeah, but it was closer. So uh, he says, uh, you know, for homework, tell us what you think D.H. Lawrence was talking about. And then we get, oh, man. Then we get, like, the most... The combination of 1980s acting combined with somebody's, like, some AD's nephew who was like, can I be in a movie? And he's like, uh-huh. sure, you can have this line. Because it's this fucking jock dude who raises his hand and Don calls on him. And the jock dude says, yeah, the part about the seduction, could you be a little more specific? And then everyone laughs. laughs. It was very funny. And then that guy, until the day he died, pulled that scene out and showed it to everyone at every party he ever hosted for the rest of his life, for sure. And uh, on his epitaph, it actually reads, could you be a little more specific? Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's history. So now we cut to Don coming into the dean's office and mysterious dean's secretary is there. And she says, Mr. Wanderley. And that's how she talks. Like, just immediately, I'm just like, I want to listen to you tell me bedtime stories. She's seducing you. 100. And Don says, you know my name, and I don't know yours. And she says, Alma. Alma Mobley. And Mowgli? Mobley? Mobley. Mobley. And he says, I actually stopped by to see you, not the dean. And asks her to dinner. And I was like, what about Helen? What about Helen? Wait, who was Helen? His girlfriend. His girlfriend? Yes. He was seeing a woman named Helen. I thought it was like his colleague or something. No, it was his girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, Don's a piece of shit. Don. You slept with your brother's fiance and then cheated on your girlfriend. Poor fucking Helen. She's got to still work. They work together. She's going to see. Anyway. So uh, the dean then comes in before Alma can answer. And the dean is like, you're doing a great job, son. Cut to Alma and Don on a date. And uh, she's seducing him and me. Uh, and they're eating ice cream and he says, close your eyes and make a wish. And he like feeds her ice cream and then it's her turn. And she like licks her finger very seductively. And then rather than like putting the ice cream in his mouth, she like paints a little mustache on (laughs) his face with the ice cream. Cute. And they laugh and laugh, cut to them running through the rain to her home. And she runs up the stairs soaking wet. And he's sort of at the bottom of the stairs. And she turns and she says, if you'd like to make love to me, you'd better hurry. And runs inside. (laughs) Running up them stairs real fast. So we cut to them inside drying off. And she's drying her hair by one of those old heaters that was like very dangerous. Like it had like hot coils like right there <laughs> that anyone could touch. And like she a radiator? Kind of. Mm, no, it's like a heater that you would like plug in 
and oh, like okay yeah um and the like the coils literally you can are just right in front of you and they get literally red hot and that's how it's a heater and uh she's just like slowly like running her fingers through her long blonde hair now listen alice krieg is a fucking goddess but the haircut i'm sure was in style at the time but jesus h christ it is fucking wild she has hair down to her buttocks okay that is how long her hair is down to her buttocks but then I want you to imagine that my hair is down to my butt. I part it in the middle, okay? And then I take what would be very, like, chunky bangs. I'm not talking wispy bangs. I'm talking I would take a huge front section of my hair, pull it forward, and I would cut it at my chin and then part it. So I literally have hair the length of my current hair right just right in front of my face and then the next layer is down to my butt. She's lucky she's gorgeous because this haircut was crazy. I don't hate it. I think you need to see it. <laughs> I'll, I'll post mortem it. It's crazy. It's a crazy haircut. It's, in, it's insane. It's, it's, it's nuts. So she's drying her hair very seductively. She turns to him. And she's got like hair all in her face and uh, she like doesn't move it out of her face. Like there's just something like I wrote. She's very good at like creepy hot. Like that's her vibe where she's you're like, oh, my God, you're so hot. But I'm also like you're a little creepy. And it's like, why wouldn't you move the hair out of your face? That's like completely covering your face. She's just she's creepy hot. I'm in. Um, and Don like opens a music box and it starts playing creepy music and she says you like it she's slowly running her fingers through her hair and she says i'm frightened of thunder you know and he says i guess i better stay here and she slowly turns to him hair still all in her face and then he kisses her but doesn't move her hair out of the way so i was like they are kissing hair like there's hair in both of their mouths Gross. you lost me there it's, i was I with you and then you lost me i didn't like it i was like just move just don't kiss hair i that's the worst um so now we cut to them absolutely fucking the ever living daylights out of each other like it was like bordering on like the showgirl sex in the pool kind of throwing each other about gorgeous body obviously she has. He's fine. He's mediocre. <laughs> uh, cut to them the next morning. And she's putting her hair up. And he pulls her back and asks for another kiss. And she's like, we're going to be late. And he's like, I want to know about you. Tell me about you. And she won't tell him anything. And she's like, none of that matters. I want to hear about you. And she's like, where did you grow up? And he's like, Milburn, a grave of a town in New England. She's like, will you take me there sometime? And he's kind of like, no, why? Ew. <laughs> like, why? It's Mil like to him. It's like, why would you want to go to Milburn? You yeah. Know? So now poor Helen, we cut to some choir practice that Helen is conducting. And then we leave the choir practice and the bathroom right outside the choir room. Uh, Alma and Don are in there and Alma's sitting on the sink and she's like, fuck me right here. <gasps> I was like, Don, this is adding Not insult cool. to injury. 
Not this cool. is not chill at all. And uh, so Don and Alma are in the bathroom and someone by the name of Miss Meredith is like banging on the door and like very scandalized because she, all she hears is like a woman being like, don't stop. And Miss Meredith is like, <laughs> and <laughs> runs away. We now cut to them at a restaurant, like holding hands as they look at a menu, like kind of playing footsie, but with their fingers. She then takes his hand and like puts it under her skirt and just stares oh at him. My. And Don is like, <laughs> Don is just like, he's like, are you not wearing underwear? And she just like shakes her head. And then the poor waiter comes over and sees a man's hand in a woman's vagina. And neither of them are acknowledging it or him or any of it. And this poor waiter has to take an order from these people while his hand is submerged in her vagina. And so I ask you, Kim, in all of your years as a server, did you ever have, ever have to take an order from someone whose hand was submerged in a vagina next to him? I have, but it was a switcheroo. It was more of a hand job situation. Oh, how did it go? Tell me about it. I think I had security kick them out. <laughs> this server did not. Were they trying to... <laughs> Were they trying to order, like, while she was, like, jerking him off? I mean, I think she stopped the motion while I was there, but... Okay. I was like, those people are definitely trying to bone in the booth over there. Right. Was and this... I don't want to fucking deal with it. Yeah. Well, this server was like, I got to get my tip. And <laughs> Don was like, I'm going to be given more than a tip tonight. Hey, tip of the penis, just the tip. Oh, good one. Thank you. <laughs> Nothing like a joke you have to explain. <laughs> I have also worked at places, though, where the bartenders got some BJs in the bathroom. Oh, Cabo? Cantina? Yeah. Yeah. There were some bartenders that I wouldn't have minded giving a <laughs> blowjob in the bathroom to at Cabo Cantina before I met Eric. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. They knew how to hire a bartender. Was very attractive there. They knew how to hire a bartender. They did. They knew what was going to sell those giant margaritas. margaritas for sure. And it was being hot and cutting it your was shirt up. Being hot and cutting your shirt up. And I just kind of feel like I really can't blame those girls. What what chance did they have? I asked yeah. you. You know, I boned one of them. Yeah, I, at not it, at work. But if you hadn't, can you imagine how disappointed I'd be? <laughs> I'd be so disappointed in you if you hadn't boned one of those hot Cabo Cantina bartenders. Like, I'd be like, what? Who are you? So disrespectful to me and our friendship. <laughs> it was also a wild time in my life. It was. And I was already kind of like hitched up, I think, by that time. No, maybe I wasn't. Maybe I was. Mm. Oh, yeah, you were because I it was, was a wild up. time because I was sad and broken up with. Right. Yeah, and so I was like, Kim, you gotta bone those hot bartenders <laughs> on the market. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. You know I'd be in there giving blowjobs to bartenders. You gotta, you gotta take one for the team, and the team is me. <laughs> um, so oh, wild times. So hand in the pants, hand in the pants, dinner up the skirt. 
cut to them in the bathtub. And this is where I really fell in love with Alice Bath Creek. Bathtub. They're in the bathtub. And she's mm-hmm. like, they're facing each other. They're in a ball and claw bathtub. Burnsy. Oh, my God. Now you're getting me turned on. Oh, yeah. Kim, <laughs> this scene, you would have loved. So they're just kind of like scrub-a-dub-dubbing each I other very And she's like washing his feet. But then he's kind of like touching her hot boob with his foot and it's all just very flirty and cute and um he's still trying to like get any information out of her at all whatsoever and she just won't tell him anything about herself and uh he asks okay well have you ever oh i think she mentions like some dude she used to bone or something like that and he's like was that a you know was that your great love and she's like no and he's like good because i want to be the great love (laughs) And do you want to at least break up with your girlfriend first, Don? He like literally didn't even bother. But I'm like, Helen knows. Helen's a smart woman. She's not going to go chasing you, Don. Like she fucking knows that you're a trash heap. And she's moved on. Honestly, she's moved on. You know who she moved on her. to? She moved on to the uh, the head of the lit department. Good she for did. her. Yeah, it's she great. deserves it. I agree. Dr. Harry Milfort. He is the head of the lit department. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're very happy. Six kids. Can wow. Yeah. Helen, good for you. Six kids, 24 grandkids. I mean, wow. Helen is busy. She's living a happy life. She is. She really is. She deserves it. Her kids, her, uh, her grandchildren go crazy for her peanut brittle. I bet they do. Yeah. Yeah. And then they all sing together at Christmas. She they directs do. them. Yeah, she does. Yeah, they have a little family choir, like the the Von Trapps. She's Cute. dead now. Oh. But, um, yeah, lived a Her good life. Her still reads. Peanut brittle is delicious. Don, comma, suck a dick. <laughs> Correct. That's what it says. <laughs> um, way to go, Helen. She went out on top. She did. Yeah. So um, uh, they're in the bathtub. And then he says, I want to take you somewhere. And she's like, what? She's like, you haven't done any work in weeks. I'm a bad influence. Um, So basically, like this whole time that they've been that we've been watching them like fuck and date and stuff like Don just like hasn't been going to work. And (laughs) neither has she, I guess. What? Like. Because she's just like, you can't take me anywhere. You haven't been to work. Like, what is, what is, what are the 1980s? I don't know. So she then, like, just is being, like, flirty and cute and goes fully underwater. But then is, like, under there for, like, an amount of time that Don is, like, (laughs) Alma? (laughs) Are you coming back up? (laughs) <laughs> and then she comes back up and screams ah! and sc- like screams in his face in a way that's like, what happened under there, Alma? What's going on? Um, now we cut to her at night. They're sl- it's sleepy time. They're asleep. And she's sitting on the edge of the bed. And she's just staring straight ahead Don wakes up and sees her just like sitting up staring straight ahead 
And he's like, what's wrong? And she just says, water. And lays back down and goes to sleep. What did that bathwater do to you, Alma? Question four, what do you do? What does Don do? Uh, Like in this exact moment or in life? Mm, I'll take either. In the sense of like, you know, you can respond to this however it would make you feel. If you would like to respond to it right now, you can. If you would like to respond to it in the morning, you can. I'm going to break up with Alma. Okay. And beg Helen for her hand back and tell her I was wrong. She's the one. It was so stupid of me. I'm so Mm -hmm. sorry. Please. What can I do? Mm -hmm. I love it. I don't know if she'll do it, but I'll try. She she probably won't. She's already with Harry Milfort. (laughs) It's true. Uh, And he's treated her better than Don ever treated her. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, And what does Don do? Uh, Maybe he asks her about it in the morning. Point for you. Try to get Helen back. It won't work, but good try. Uh, He does not ask her about it in the morning. He instead in the morning asks her to elope. (laughs) And I really thought about this because I was like, this question is like a little open ended in the sense that like nothing directly happens in response to this moment. Right. But I truly thought about, please picture, okay, you're laying in bed. It's dark. I hate it. I'm already, I've already been picturing it. I hate it so much. D. No. You wake up and D is sitting on the edge of the bed. Hate it so much. Staring not at you, but past you. Uh, No. And you can't rouse him. And he just says, water. And then goes back to sleep as if nothing happened. Nope. Like you would force, like, so what would you do? You're not going back to sleep that night. You. This girl. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm like, I feel like I'd wake Eric up right then and be like, yo, bro, you're too creepy right now. (laughs) You're too creepy. Like you got to wake up. You can't be this spooky right now. You know, and be like, we got to talk about this. That was too spooky. I like, I just couldn't go back to sleep. No, I would be so scared. And I'd certainly be missing Helen at that moment. (sighs) For sure. Helen didn't creep me out in my sleep. No, she didn't. So instead we cut to them. uh, This is maybe like not exactly the next morning, but for the sake of the story, it's the next thing he does. They're at a shore house you know so they've clearly like rented a little place by the beach because they're in florida if you remember and he says let's elope and she's weirdly peeling an orange on the couch with a knife like she's peeling an orange as if it's an apple which is a little strange and he's naming places that he wants to elope to and she says i'd like to go to milburn instead and he's like why (laughs) like why Um, Like, it's like as if I was like, Eric, I really, really want to get married in Springfield, Illinois, like really badly. That's my dream is to get married in Springfield, Illinois. Um, And he she's like, don't you want to show me off? I want to meet your family, your father still alive. Yes, but we don't get along. Oh, oh, I want to meet your family, your father. (laughs) 
sorry. And then she asks, is he still alive? Uh-huh. And he says, yes, but we don't get along. And then she says, and your brother? And he says, he's more like my father. Successful, ambitious. And she's like, I want to get married in a town you grew up in. And I want to walk down the aisle in front of your father and all of his friends. I was like, his dad and all his friends. So, cut to Don. Waking up in bed. This is still Don telling this story. Yeah, this is still a ghost story. Just want to make sure. Yeah. Cut to Don. Waking up in bed alone again. He walks out into the living room and he finds her staring out into the ocean naked and he's like Alma? So again, please picture D. Please picture this is happening. I don't like any nighttime staring. Without turning around, she <laughs> D says D says the following to you. He says I don't I will, like this I will take you places you've never been. I will show you things that you've never seen. And I will see the life run out of you. No! I was down. I mean, so much of that. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. That looks, that sounds. No, 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 no. no. Nope. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Helen? Helen, where's Helen? I'm so sorry. So she then just like turns around and like just walks past him. Oh my gosh. And gets back into bed. And he follows and mm-hmm. then he touches her and he kind of like recoils because she's cold. She then fully asleep. Sorry. D fully asleep. <laughs> no. He then. <laughs> in his sleep. No, I hate it. Well, question five. What do you do? What does Don do? No. What's it? What do you do? What do you do? I gotta wake wake that bitch up. <laughs> okay, alert. Turn on alert, all the alert. lights. <laughs> I like that. And like wake someone up because it's too creepy. I can't mm-hmm. be alone, which I'm currently alone in this situation. You're alone with a ghost. Yeah, yeah. I think hand in hand. Point for you. Did she go back to sleep? Goes back to sleep. How? I, I I don't know. But we do know that he was creeped. He just understandably, because of this date and time, and because of the man he was raised by, puts a temporary blanket over it. He's not going to confront the issue. By no means. But we do cut to them driving in in the car in the rain. We can only assume it's the next day. Or the next... The next night, actually. And he pulls up to her place and they go in. And Alma says, do you remember the first night you were here? It was raining then. And he's just like being really like weird, like not affectionate with her. And he's just like, well, we'll let's talk tomorrow. And she's like, no, now. She like grabs his arm and he's like, I, uh, I don't want to get married for a while. And she's like, okay, when? And he's like, Maybe, maybe never. She says, you don't know anything. 
And he says, no, I don't. And leaves. Whoa. She then opens the music box. And we see a very familiar necklace inside. One that may or may not have been pulled out of a child's mouth in the future. Ew. <laughs> it's a weird way. I mean, that is what happened, but it was a weird way to describe it, and I heard it. So now we cut to Don. Sleep, now we cut to Don sleeping alone, having a nightmare, and he's just like, Alma, Alma. And he dreams of Alma in like a little rowboat in 1920s garb. And he like wakes up. Cut him going into work for the first you time ever. I don't know. And he goes into the dean's office and Alma's not there. But he comes in, he's like, Alma! And it's Miss Meredith. And you know how Miss Meredith feels about this whole thing. She's not oh, happy about no. it. She does not stand for it. And she's like, Alma never showed up. And the dean is very upset. Miss Meredith is getting her getting her gettings. If you yeah. know what I mean. She's friends with Helen. Oh, yeah. She's been hearing all about what Mr. Donnie boy has been up to. She's not only is Miss Meredith team Helen. She fucking set up Helen and Harry Milfort. She said, I have the man for you. Snaps yeah. to you. She officiated their wedding. Can you believe it? I can. Which in 1981 is unheard of. You had a priest yeah. do that. But Helen said, uh-uh. I'm going make a lot of jokes during here. it, but no, you know, there's a lot of love. Yeah, a lot of a lot of love. Um, Helen said, "Tradition be damned." Miss Meredith is gonna solidify this. It was really beautiful. It was gorgeous. Cut to Dean read the Dean reading him the riot act, just being like, "Listen, look, I know you're a wealthy white man, but I can't just be not having you come to work ever." So you're fired reluctantly. Oh. Um, oh, good. And Don looks rough. And by rough, I mean just slightly unshaven. Like I was like, I'm a girl who mm -hmm. loves a five o'clock shadow. So I get what you're trying to tell me. I get you're trying to tell me that he like hasn't shaved. But I'm like, I think he looks better. Mm -hmm. um, so now we cut to him going back to Alma's house. Cleaned out. She's gone. She's Whoa. out of here. Totally cleaned out. So now we cut to David, Don's brother, pre-death. Because remember, Dick we're still in balls. a ghost story. Dick and balls. Yeah. We're still in a ghost yeah. story. Okay. Don is calling David drunk from a bar. And David is like, Don, great to talk to you. And David is obviously talking to him on a phone in a restaurant. 1981. A cell phone? Not a cell phone. Maybe the, maybe the, like, Mater D brought him, like, a rotary phone. Oh, that okay, feels yeah. more like, yeah. And David's like, I'm so glad you called. I need, to, I need to talk to you, too. And he says, about a month ago, I'm walking down the street, and someone called your name. Because, remember, they're twins. Mm -hmm. And I turn, and it's this great-looking girl. And she thinks I'm, she thinks I'm you. And Don then gets like he's drunk, so like he's not quite being as clear as he could be. And he's just like, She's not the person you think she is. And David's like, Well, she's worried that you have the wrong idea about her. 
And Don says, everything's wrong about her. Get away from her. She's dangerous. And David is like, listen, you resent me. I'd resent you too. But, you know, kind of best man one sort of vibe. And Don is like, no, dude, she's not real. When you touch her, she's cold. Question six, what do you do? What does David do? David? Mm-hmm. David? Um, <laughs> I think he's just like, okay, little brother, twin. Uh, <laughs> he was born three minutes three minutes earlier. Boy, he doesn't let him forget it. Never lets him live it down. Mm -mm. Um, uh, Like, I think he just kind of like pats him on the head sort of thing and is like, well, I'm in love with her. So good luck with your life. Okay. And I am like, she is cold. How can a living person be so cold? <laughs> the creepy sleeps that she has. Creepy sleeps. Maybe my brother's right. Maybe I do need to. Your own Helen. Find my own Helen. Double ding. We all got to find our own Helen. That's the dream. Eric's going to be like, why do you keep calling me Helen? Because like, <laughs> you're my Helen. You're just my Helen, babe. Um, David is like, David is like, you know what? I don't even think we're talking about the same woman. Bye. And hangs up. We then cut back to the Chowder Society. So now we're like out of the ghost story. And Don says, when I broke down the door to David's apartment, she'd vanished. Um, and he's like, there never was an Alma Mobley. Sears is like, good job telling a story. Here's a cigar. And Don is like, it's not, it's not a story. You know, it's not a story. He's like, I know you're scared. I'm scared too. He's like, I'm lucky to have escaped whatever sent David out that window. And he like, then pulls out the photo. And he shows Sears the old photo and is like, that is Alma Mobley from 1920, whatever the fuck. How do you explain that? Still blurry, but like he can see enough to be like that. That's Alma fucking Mobley. Yeah. And Sears is like, it's a coincidence. John and Ricky are like, you know, it's not, dude. So question seven, what do you do? What does Sears do? I am like, okay, here's the truth. Let's all put our fucking shit on the table so we can figure this out. Yeah. Chowdas. Chowda. Can we put our crackers on the table? (laughs) Dip it in. Sprinkle Um, that moisture crackers. Oh, man. I want some. Now I really want some. Chowder with some moisture crackers. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I, wait, I do that. Do I do that? Mm -hmm. And then. You do that. Sears, uh, I think he's not, he like leaves. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Point for you. This is where Sears actually is like, all right, let's talk about it. But he's mad about it. 
Don pulls out the necklace and he's like, this was Alma's necklace. And he says, Gregory Bate gave it to me. And he says she was wearing it when I last saw her. And Dr. John is like, starts crying again. And he's like, please, we must talk about it. We have to talk about it. Please listen yes, to me. Yes, put your crackers on the table. It was so sad. And then Millie comes in and is like, all this talk of graves and ghouls. Get out. Get out. Because she's Dr. John's husband. And John is like sobbing. She's like, can you stop making my husband sob? So she kicks everybody out. So I love the word ghouls. I want to start using spooky. I've already told you. Spooky, I want to use more. Ghouls, I also want to use more. I think ghouls is a great word. I wish you luck. Thank you. What am I using more? Awesome. (laughs) Awesome pussy. pussy. Awesome pussy. That's what Kim's... That's what Kim is setting as her goal for 2024. To use that term more. Yeah. So now we cut to Ricky, Ricky, Fred Astaire getting into bed. Um, he's all sweaty. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Getting out of bed. So he was having a nightmare and he gets out of bed and rather like than talking to his wife about it. He gets out and like cries in the hallway out of earshot because men don't cry. Uh, so now we cut to Sears in his hearth room, not sleeping. Sears doesn't have nightmares because he doesn't sleep. He just sleep paces ever. He just paces and drinks brandy in his hearth room. But he is listening to like an Italian aria and crying. We now cut to Dr. John screaming in his sleep. And he's dreaming of a body on a table, like on a like a gurney, like a autopsy table on an uh-huh. autopsy table. And he's coming in as as a doctor in his dream, and he's like, just as I told you, because we see the body's under a sheet, so all we see is like arms coming out of it. And he's like, just as I told you, no pulse at all. She's dead. And then Alma jumps uh. up from the table and starts strangling Doctor John in his dream. But in real life, Doctor John is strangling Millie, uh. his wife, uh. in his sleep, and Millie's uh, like, no, yeah. John. Luckily, she manages to, like, wake him up, and he just falls back to sleep. So, Kim, D just strangled you <laughs> in his sleep, <laughs> and you got, it, you got him to wake up enough to let go, but, like, what now? But then he just goes back to sleep? He just goes back to sleep. No way, bro. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. get to sleep anymore? No, thank you. Sleep is off the table no for you, dude. No more sleep for you. You're in sleep prison. Yeah. Cut to Kim literally erecting a sleep prison where D D can still sleep over, but he's in a literal sleep cage, and that's where he has to sleep. <laughs> and honestly, I helped her make it. I helped that's her That's what best it. friends are for. Yep. Making, making. Gotta stay safe. Gotta make sleep cages for your best friend's boyfriend. Gotta do what you gotta do. Cut to the next morning. Millie is bringing him breakfast and tea. So Dee just tried to sleep strangle you, and now you're bringing him breakfast and tea. <laughs> Before she comes upstairs, there's like a woman in the waiting room, and we recognize her, but Millie doesn't. It's motherfucking Alma in all black, almost like morning clothes. And she's like, I'll be right with you, because you remember Dr. John is a, a doctor. So I think he did take patients at one point, like in his home, but he's mm-hmm. very much retired now. So Millie is like, 
he'll, you know, I'll be down in a minute to help you. She then goes upstairs. She wakes up Dr. John. She's like helping prop him up. And apparently he slept till 1130. She brings him a nice cup of tea. And she's like, though, you hardly deserve it. And he's like, what do you mean? And <laughs> well, you tried to kill me last well, night. Well, you tried to kill me. And that's, that's basically what she says. And he has no idea what she's talking about at all. And she's like, but what you kept saying was she moved. And she's like, who moved? And John is like kind of not all there. And he's like, but she couldn't have. She's dead. And Millie's like, who? Who, John? We need who you guys to put the crackers about? on the table. I got to know what's going on, I you guys. got to know. Do? Yeah. Um, and he won't tell her. And he's like, oh, stop fussing, darling. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yes, dear. I'll defer to you and not ask any more questions. And she's like, also, you have a patient. And he's like, I don't see patients anymore. And Millie's like, yeah, I'll, I know. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about a thing. Cuts to Millie coming into the waiting room. Alma's gone. So she's like, okay, well, solved itself. Cool, bye. Cut to John shaving. And he starts clutching his chest. And he's like, Millie, Millie, cut to him, like stumbling down the stairs, holding his chest and he stumbles into his office. Now, his office is previously his like doctor's office. So he's got like a like a giant curio cabinet of medication of uh, pills and things like that. OK, Millie finds him looking for medication in his desk that he can't find anywhere. And Millie is like, it was right here. She's like, that woman, that woman took it. And she's like, she said her name was Gally. And John looks at her and is like, what did you say? She's like, Gally. She said her name was something Gally. And John looks terrified and then is like, call an ambulance. So Millie calls an ambulance and Dr. John continues to like stumble around the office looking for some sort of medication that he clearly like can't find. And then we hear a voice behind him say, I think I'll take a bite out of you. And he turns around and it's Alma behind him. But he says, Ava? And then she pulls her head back and it's monster splooge face. And John screams. Cut to Ricky getting a call. Dr. John is dead. Oh, no. So all that's left of the Chowder Society is Sears and Ricky. And so now, Well, and Dot, but I guess now, yes, he is in the He's technically in the Chowder Society now because he told a ghost story. Cut to the hearth room with Ricky and Sears and Don. Question eight. What do you decide to do? What do they decide to do? Oh, compare notes. Okay. Tell everything. Okay. What the fuck? Okay. <sighs> Same Z's. I don't know. Hand in hand. Double ding. Sears and Ricky are finally like, Okay. We got to tell you some stuff. Yes, please. For goodness sake. How many people have to die? A lot, apparently, before we can remove the blanket. So 
Ricky and Sears are like, all right, this is the story, man. Uh, they're like, after all this time, we thought it had nothing to do with our problems. Which is like, guys. Uh, <laughs> but now John is dead too. Sears is feeling some remorse for like never having listened to Dr. John. Like Dr. John was always the one who was like, can we talk about it? Like mm-hmm. my conscience can't take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sears finally says the name Ava Galley. There. I said it. So Don is like, what happened to her? And Ricky is like, we killed her. Mm. All of us. The Chowder Society. It was the spring of 50 years ago. So now we cut to the 1920s. And this is their ghost story. And it's the four old men as young men listening to a string quartet. You know, so it's the 1920s. So it's like their entertainment is, you know, sitting in someone's parlor listening to someone sing a live Italian aria. And I wrote, Young Sears is hot. (laughs) Young Sears is like kind of if Eli Roth and Henry Cavill had a baby. It's hot. You can't imagine that at all. But it's 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 good. It's good. (laughs) It's good. good. (laughs) Um, So the woman in the very front row, we recognize as Alma Ava. And the whole town is talking about her. And there's women whispering and being like, oh, that's Ava Galley. She's a rich woman from England. Um, You know, whisper, 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 this new person in town, blah, blah, blah. All the four men are just looking at her like she's a literal angel. Like they're just like, ah, because they're in the back row. She's in the front row. We then cut to her walking down the street, minding her own goddamn business, when all four of these motherfucking men corner her and they're like, hello, Miss... Well, they're not British. Hello! Hey, Miss- <laughs> hello! <laughs> and they're like, hey, Miss Galley, can we carry your, your things? Can we uh, let, uh, let us uh, escort you across the street? Uh, we have a nice little ice cream shop. Like, just bombarding her. And it's yeah. all four of them, you know, walking her down the street. And they sweep her away. Cut to them all eating ice cream. And she's cool as a goddamn cucumber. They are all dumb, dumb 20 year olds. Like just kind of like, like John and Ricky are just like giggling all the time. Like they can't, like they've never (laughs) talked to a woman before. And Ava's just like, uh, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And John's like, I want to be a doctor. And then Ricky is like too afraid to talk, giggling like an idiot. And uh, we learn that uh, Sears is like, Ricky's going to be a lawyer in my dad's firm and so am I or whatever. Sears is, you know, obviously going to be a lawyer too. And Ned is like, Ned's like, I'm going to be a politician and then president. And if you remember, Ned was the mayor of Mm -hmm. Little Town. Cut to a costume party. So this is the summer of 1921 or whatever the fuck. Cut to a costume party. Ava is there. And asks Ned to dance. And the other three just like stare as they're dancing. And she's like, don't worry, I won't eat you. Like that's her kind of flirting. Like she's just like an alpha woman in a time of of no alpha women. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's just, she's so fucking hot. I don't know what to tell you. She's really fucking hot. Like I'm, I'm all in on Alice Krieg. 
the other uh, two, three other girls come up like hoping that the other three will like ask them to dance, but they don't. And so they just start shit talking Ava Galley and Sears is just like, shut up, Nettie. And like <laughs> they walk away. We then cut to the five of them. So the four men and Ava and they're taking that picture that we saw. Yeah. And we learn that she, the big mansion she's staying in, she's only renting it for the summer. And they're like, you should stay. Like, you should just buy it. They're like, you can afford it. Just buy it. And right before this, the pick is snapped, she, like, turns her head. And so that's how we get, like, the blurry image of her face. We then cut to the five of them, like, frolicking through the meadow. And they're, like, tossing her hat, you know? And she's, like, mm -hmm. chasing after it. And at this point, I was just like... This is just a little weird. Like, it just feels like all four of them are trying to fuck her together. And yeah. it's weird. And yes. I just didn't like it, you know? And I was trying to, like, think of an equivalent of that. And it's just, like, like never in a million years would I have just been like, yeah, I'm totally cool with these four men, like, simultaneously courting you and trying to fuck you alone. Like, I'd be like, no, I'm coming. They're going to... There, I'm gonna be there. <laughs> That's what's what's gonna happen. And they're you know tossing her hat about. At one point, the hat is like thrown onto a picnic blanket, and Ned falls on top of her, and they have a moment staring <gasps> into each other's eyes. And the other three, then it, so it's like Ned and Ava like having a moment where she's like laying on the ground, like you know looking all beautiful and Ned just like stroking her face. And then we cut to the other three, just like standing over them with their arms crossed, just watching. <laughs> just like, can you guys go? And they do, they leave. They're like, we're going to go for a walk. But then Ned is like, oh, I'm going to go too. And like follows them and just leaves <laughs> Ava on the fucking blanket alone in a meadow. And I'm just like, what is happening? Dating was different. in dating was weird. Uh, so now we cut to them in a boat. Dating was so weird because it's three people in a boat. It's Ricky, Ned, and Ava. Ava's getting to sit there and look pretty. Ned is rowing. Ricky is sitting behind them reading them love poetry. Sears and John are just in the water splashing them. And I'm just like, this is just like a very weird little mermaid in the lagoon type of kiss the girl situation that I'm significantly less comfortable with. So blah, blah, blah. He and, and Ned and Ava kiss. We then cut to nighttime, bedtime. Ava is laying back in bed. Ned is sitting on the edge of the bed. And Ava says, Ned, darling, we can try again. And Ned just angrily ties his underwear back on spoiler alert no elastics you had to tie your underwear on so he tied his boxers on like pulling two what? little bows at his hips it was wild it was the wildest thing i've ever seen <laughs> can you imagine can you imagine if d had to tie his boxers on i cannot he had to tie his tie two little bows on either side of his hips wow who knew it was so cute so basically Poor Ned couldn't get it up and he's super embarrassed. And Ava's like, 
it's cool, dude. We'll just try again. And Ned's like, puff, 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 puff. I'm, up, puff, I'm embarrassed and I don't deal with embarrassment. Puff, 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 puff. And she's like, it's not the end of the world. And we then cut to the other three honkies out there. And they're like, let's sing an acapella song serenading Ava outside her window. I guess not knowing that Ned was in there trying to bone her. Uh And so Ned then pops his head out the window to very obviously sort of be like, I was in here. I was in here fucking her. That's what I was doing. That's sort of the vibe. Like he's definitely doing it performatively for his My dick worked. Don't worry. Everything went great. No problems here. And Ava just kind of calls out the window and is like, Ricky, can you drive me home? So I guess she's at Ned's house, I guess. So now we cut to the four of them, the four men sitting around 1920s drunk. Kim, I hate to break it to you, but we do have a 1920s sort of like they're all trying to be 1920s vibe and also be drunk. And they're not super great at either. It was not. It wasn't a great scene, um, but we'll move past it. We got some information. So they're all drunk and they're all talking about, oh, the mysteries of women. But they're like laughing unconvincingly and just like really laying it on thick that they're drunk. And Ricky is just like, oh, women are mysteries to me. And then Sears looks at Ned and is like, tell us, Ned. Tell us what it was like. Question nine. What do you do? What does Ned do? I'm going to be like, you know, I think it's time that men started sharing their feelings. Mm -hmm. I know that you'll support me. We're friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell them the truth. And Mm -hmm. then we're going to be buddies and they're going to help me out. They're and they're all going to talk about the, they're going to talk about the times their dicks didn't work. Yeah, and they'll be like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know that that happened to other people too." Now I feel better. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. I'm glad we talked about this. I really love wow. sharing my feelings, and I feel so much healthier mentally. Sharing feelings was good. Yeah, yeah. What does Ned do? Ned is like, "Dog, it was so good. You don't even know. Oh my gosh, I'm the I have the biggest dick, and she loved it so much." Yeah. Yeah. He says, it was awesome. <laughs> She's a goddess. And I went, did they say awesome, awesome in the 1920s? In 31. So I'll find yeah. that out. I'll postmortem that as well. When did people start saying awesome? Because I know that they say like awesome in the Bible, but they're saying awesome to mean like awe, like full of awe. Mm-hmm. I felt like awesome came about in like the 1980s. I don't know. I'll find out. We'll get to the bottom of it. But he's like, it was awesome. She's a goddess. And they all toast to her being a goddess. Cut to them all showing up that night at her house, singing drunk. And she comes to the door. And they're loud and super wasted. And she says hello to all of them. But then she's like, hi, Ned. She's like, I see you brought everyone. And they're all like awkward and giggling. Question 10. What do you do? What does she do? Hmm. I think maybe I asked them to leave. 
All of them. Okay. And she... What does she do? Well, I guess she is, uh... I don't fucking know. Does she bring up his dick not working somehow? Point for you. She says, well, are you all coming in? Cut to them in her parlor. And we see. Obviously, you picked up on it now, but this is the old house Ricky went through. And we now recognize the rooms. We're like in the very same rooms that we saw all dusty and gross. Mm -hmm. Sears is standing there. She's dancing with like John or Ricky and John and Ricky are like extremely drunk, like giggling drunk. Sears appears to be kind of like aggressive drunk Mm -hmm. and Ned is sort of like sullen drunk, I would Mm -hmm. say. So you can see those three types of drunk and Sears says to Alma or to Ava being like, give someone else a chance. And John drunkenly says, like, no, I'm dancing with the goddess. And at that point, that's where Ava is kind of, she kind of, like, looks at Ned, realizing, like, Mm -hmm. you told them that you fucked me, Mm -hmm. which is not cool, right? And uh, Sears is then, like, it's my turn. He then, like, looks at Ned and is like, I guess you're going to spend the night. And Ned kind of is, like, awkward, but, like, just kind of cowardly about it. Like, this would have been the opportunity for Ned to, like, be a little bit more of a knight in shining armor, I would say. And Ned says, no, like, he's not going to spend the night. And it's super awkward between Sears and Ned and Alma. John and Ricky are just, like, laughing and drunk. Like, they're almost, like, not even mentally involved in this. And Alma's like, wait, you'll get your dance. You all will. But now she's pissed like she's just like she expected Ned to be a little bit more respectful she expected Ned to like stand up for her when Sears is like being a little aggressive and he did none of it so she walks over to John Dr. John who's wasted and kisses him like really hard um and then she turns to Nettie and is like aren't you having fun Nettie I think I'll take a bite out of you. And she walks over to Ricky and like licks him like very sort of just Mm -hmm. like overly sexualized. And she's like, who's next? And she goes over to Sears and is like, dance for me, you little toad. And he he's like, slut. Mm. And she slaps him across the face. And then she turns to Ned and is like, did you tell them all about it? You're pathetic. Should I tell them what really happened? Question 11. What do you do? What does Ned do? I'm like, you should. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. We'll all leave. Okay. We don't need to ever speak again, any of us. Yep. Have a good life. Goodbye. I hope you have 24 grandchildren. <laughs> uh, and... She wait, so she's like, should I tell them what really happened? Basically, she's like, Ned, you fucking told everybody that you fucked me. Mm -hmm. But did you really tell them? 
Because we right. you didn't fuck me. I think he gets like aggressive to like maybe try to keep her quiet or something. So before she can say anything, Ned is like, no. And he tackles her to the ground. She hits her head on the marble fireplace <sighs> and is dead. <sighs> so this, I just want to make sure that we're clear about this. This entire fucking ghost story is about some dude who couldn't get it up and is too embarrassed to tell his friends. And so he murders a woman instead. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So question 12, your four wealthy white men in the 1920s and you've just murdered a woman. What do you do? What do they do? They're going to cover it up. Mm hmm. Mm. Well, I hate this. Isn't it the worst? All he had to do was say his dick didn't work. And then the rest of them would go, really? You too? Sometimes I feel emotionally vulnerable when that happens. Want to all talk about our emotions? <laughs> and no murder happens that way. See how talking about your feelings prevents murder, gentlemen? <laughs> See how that happens? <laughs> Just like the Barbie movie told us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what the Barbie movie said. Um... I guess I'll turn myself in. Probably won't get in much trouble anyway. You're not going to get in any trouble anyway. That's exactly it. Turn yourself in. It'll be fine. And you'll be able to live with a clean conscience. You. Oh, God. I really think... I I think that the Sammies are starting to suggest movies to me that they know are know, going to make me existentially angry. <laughs> I don't understand. They're it. going to make feminist me angry, and it's working. Um, so Sears obviously is the ringleader. Is like it was an accident. We are not going to call the cops and tell them it was an accident. We are going to hide the body, body and it'll never be found. So we now cut to them driving to a lake. They get out of the car. Her body like falls out. And they have to like tuck it back in. And they're all just like sobbing little babies about it. Like they're just like, we <laughs> consequences to our actions. <laughs> and they put a rock on the gas pedal and they drive it into the lake. Ned is crying. They're watching the car you know, fill with water and slowly sink into the lake. Just as the car is about to go under, they see her head pop up and she starts clawing at the window. <gasps> oh Question my 13. Gosh. What do you do? What do they do? Jump in! Jump in! <laughs> Break the window! Oh my gosh, she's still alive! Oh no. The water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh no! Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Isaac, why did you bring us this horribly <laughs> sad tale? <laughs> I just think they want to keep my like ire towards the patriarchy aflame, and I'm like, no need, guys. It's <laughs> it's it's flaming. <laughs> 
is on fire. <laughs> um, uh, they do nothing. Obviously. That's actually one and a half points. I'm going to give, I don't know why I'm giving Ned the amount of credit that I'm giving him. I'm giving him half credit because he does like kind of go into the lake being like, no, Ava. But like he doesn't dive down and like try (laughs) to, you know what I mean? Like it's not sinking that fast. Like give it a shot, man. Like just try. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't. So the other three pull him out. And they all hug and cry. They show their emotions now. They're hugging and crying. But then vow to never speak of it again, obviously. True. So now we're back to present. And they're like, we'd never talk about it again. Mission accomplished. They never did. Never even said her name. Never even said the name Eva Galley, Ava Galley ever again. And Sears is like, I still think it was a trick of the light. And everyone's just like. Bro. With the lake thing? Yeah. Oh, Sears. Sears. Who's left now? Sears. Don, and Ricky. And Ricky. Don. Okay. That's it. So Don is like, did she, did no one wonder where she went? Like, what the fuck? And they're all like, well, she was just like renting oh, the she house. Was, like, visiting from a different yeah. country. So people were just like, oh, she moved. She wasn't even missed. And it was as if she'd never been here. And Ricky is like, Ricky is like, as if we dreamed the whole thing. And well, you didn't, you dicks. And then Sears fucking says, this line undid me. Isaac, this line undid me. Sears says, what else could we have done? Ruin four more lives? Sears, how have you lived this long? Yeah. How has my ghost not killed you so much sooner? So much sooner. So Ricky is like, do you think Ava's come back? And I'm like, yeah, you fucking idiot. Of course she has. (laughs) And Don is like, yeah, you fucking idiot. Of course she has. (laughs) And Don's like, the guilt that's haunting you and killing you, and I think Bait, Gregory Bait and the boy are helping her, like in their occult, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck. And he's like, We gotta go to the house. And Ricky is like, Yeah, I'll come. So now we cut to Ricky's house in his own foyer, and he's got like his coat on and his hat and his gloves, and we see him grab a knife out of like a table in the living room, and his wife like stops him with the raspy voice that sounds like my grandmother. And wife is like, tell me literally anything about where you're going or your life or anything. Tell me (laughs) anything. Because she's like, I've been married to you for 32 years and I'm no closer to you than the day we were married. And I was just like, marriage prior to like present day for women sounds awful. Like, men did not talk about their feelings. And this woman is like, I've, I've been living with someone for 32 years that has told me nothing about their... Like, I just can't even imagine. Um, I want to know everything. Like, I'm like, how does your butthole feel today? Like, I want to I know everything about Eric's inner workings at all times, always. And he tells me. He's my Helen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Helen. Helen. 
R.I.P. Ellen, she she came out on top, man. She came she out on sure top. Did. Um, Ricky then says to his wonderful, lovely wife, he's like, I'm going to take you to the south of France in the spring. And I'm going to tell you the story of my life. But right now I'm going to leave. I'm going to take a mystery knife somewhere. And he leaves. So now we cut to the three of them, Don, Ricky, and Sears. Sears. Walking up to the house. And one of them says, if only we'd been 30 instead of 20. Meaning like 20-year-olds cover up murders. Yeah, (laughs) 30-year-olds don't, I guess. I don't know. Is that accurate? I think I don't think I would have covered up murders in my 20s any more than I would have covered up murders in my 30s, honestly. No, I think I, I would have covered so. up just as many murders in my 30s. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Ricky is like, what fools we were. And Sears is like, nothing will come of this. Nothing. It's all fine. And uh, like, dude, literally three people are dead. Yeah. And Don's like, and, and Sears is like, it's a coincidence. Um, so they go inside and they start going up the stairs of the house inside and Don falls through the staircase. So now we cut to them splinting him with like an old piece of wood tying fabric around. Question 14. You're at this house. There's a ghost. You know where the body is. Somebody's leg is broken. Um, you are splinting it. What do you do? What does Sears do? I'm going to be like, well, it took us 50 years, but let's go confess to this old thing. Okay. This old thing. Confess to this old thing. That old hag can rest in peace finally. Yep. Yep. Stop ruining my sleep. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired. You see? What does Sears do? Uh, I don't know. Start yelling for her or something. (laughs) Point for you. Sears inexplicably is like, well, Don can't be moved. He's stuck here. And I'm like, Ned, wait, no, who? No, Don broke his leg. Don broke his leg. No, Don did. Don fell through. Did I say Ricky? I don't know what you said. I, Don fell through. The young one. The young young one fell fell through. Yeah. And they were splinting his leg. And Sears is like, Don can't be moved the 20 yards to the car. So I'll, we'll split up. I'm going to go on my own to get help. And I'm like, why can't he be moved? Like, surely two and a half men can get him to the car. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Sure. But like Sears is a Sears is a sturdy fellow. And Ricky's not. Ricky can do shit. I think Ricky could do it. I think they could do it. He could tap dance him on out of there. Tap dance him on out of there. Also, Don still has use of a leg. You know what I mean? Like he's not unconscious. So but Sears is like, no, I'm going to go. Cut to Ricky flashlighting around and Don is just sitting under the stairs being like, keep me in the loop. <laughs> Let me know how it goes up there. <laughs> oh, man. And we cut to Ricky going into the hearth room where she died. And we see that like her name is written in dust. And we then cut 
to Ricky coming back down to Don. And Ricky is like, I didn't find anything. I don't know what they expected to find, but I didn't find anything. And Ricky is like, I'm worried about Sears. He should be back by now. And he's like, I've been married to the guy as much as I've been married to Stella. And I'm like, well, you haven't been ma- very married to Stella, Ricky, because she doesn't fucking <laughs> she knows know anything nothing about-, about you. Sears knows everything. Stella knows nothing. So who have you been more married to, Rick Erd? Stella. So now we cut to Sears driving too fast in the snow. And he sees a woman standing in the middle of the road. But spoiler alert, the brakes don't work. <laughs> So Bazinga. We so we <laughs> Bazinga. That's what Ava said. I don't know. <laughs> so he drives through her because Ava's a ghost. And he plows right into a snow dune. Snow embankment? Pile of snow. And uh, he's actually okay. Like he's like, oh, I got plowed into this snow. And then he looks in the rear view and he hears, dance with me, you little toad. And <laughs> Fenny comes out and attacks him. Fenny was in the back of the car. Oh, okay. And Fenny, Fenny kills Sears. Goodbye. Goodbye. He's dead. Cut to Ricky and Don waiting for Sears, who's dead. And Ricky's like, I don't think he's okay. Question Probably 15. Not. What do you do? What does Ricky do? Ricky is like, I'm going to go look, go, go look for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to go to the police station. How? You have no car. I don't and you're know. in the I snow. I don't know where we are. Oh, we're in the snow. And like, the house is in town, I would say. But like, it looks like it's like slightly on the outskirts of town a little bit, maybe. I honestly have no idea. I actually don't either. Like, I was like, there's no cell phones. Ricky definitely can't walk Don by himself, for sure. And there is no car. So I actually don't know. Yeah, I wasn't going to take Don with me. Okay. (laughs) That's fair to wait here. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to walk in the snow. Maybe I'll die. Maybe I won't. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ricky's like, yeah, I'm going to go. But then he sees a car coming and like flags down the car. Oh, that's um, good idea. I mean, and, probably not for him, but in general. Yeah. Oh, he also makes a reference to someone named Newt Rutney uh, that I wanted to postmortem. They make two references to someone named Newt Rutney. And the caption spelled it K-N-U-T-E Rutney. R-U-T-N-E. So it has nothing to do with the plot, but they referenced it twice. I'm like, I got to know who this Newt Rutney is. Um, So he flags down a car. Spoiler alert, it's Gregory Bate. And he's like, gotcha, Ricky. You're the last one, you dumb fuck. (laughs) And he's like, don't struggle or I'll kill you right now. And Ricky's like, why are you doing this? And Gregory says, don't you want to live forever, Ricky? That's what she promised us. And Ricky is like, good Lord, she's in the pond, still alive. And, and uh, he's, uh, Ricky is like, she tricked you. Question 16, what do you do? What does Ricky do? Am I like... 
You're in the car. I'm in the car. You're in passenger seat. I'm in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. I think hand in hand, we try to roll out of there. <laughs> Into the snow. <laughs> Duck and roll! <laughs> ah, my hips! <laughs> Zero points. He pulls out that old knife he grabbed. Oh, I forgot I had a knife. And he stabs old Gregory Bate. Oh, right yeah, we talked about gut. that. And the car flips over. Cut to Don hanging out with a rat. Got so distracted by Stella not knowing a goddamn thing about her goddamn 30-year husband that I forgot all about the knife. Not a thing. Uh, Don's hanging out with a rat, and he's hanging out in Ava's old house, and water starts pouring out of the walls, which I know you're not Uh a homeowner. It's never good. You don't. You don't for when for when you are a homeowner. I'm just giving you this advice. You you don't want water pouring out of the walls. Water. <laughs> so we then cut to Ricky, eighty year old Ricky, busting out of the car like a goddamn superhero. Uh, <laughs> so now you've busted out of the car. Uh, it is for sure everyone is dying because y'all hit a body. Question 17, what do you do? What does Ricky do? I'm going to take the car, mm-hmm. kick that guy out of it. Yeah. Well, he's dead, so great job. And go to the police station. Sir. Okay. I've killed two people at this point. Okay. Um, sorry, Stella. I don't think we're going to France. <laughs> uh, Ricky... Goes back to the house. Point for you. Cut to, I'll tell you in a second. Cut to, back at the house. A woman in a white wedding dress walking the halls of the house. And she's clearly a ghost because she walks over the hole in the staircase with nary (laughs) an issue. We then cut to Ricky at the lake. With a bunch of cops. Lake. Oh my gosh. So wow. he did tell the Shocking. cops, but he did not confess. Actually, I'm going to give you a half a point. Because maybe he did fucking confess. But uh, no consequences appear to be uh, had. Um, he's having the cops pull the car out of the lake. Great. And I'm like... How much time is passing? Like, what is, how, how did you, it just feels like a lot. It feels like Don's been stuck in that house for a while. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like it's, you know, um, it feels like it would take a lot of organization to like get all the cops there and the equipment to pull a car that's been in the lake for 50 years out of it. Right. Um, We cut back to Ava Alma in a wedding dress. And Don's, like, blinking really hard at her. (laughs) Like, maybe if I blink hard enough, you'll go away. Cut to the car being pulled out of the lake. Cut back to the house. And Alma Ava is like, aren't you going to say hello? Don, you disappoint me. I thought you'd be dying to see me. And Don's just, like, pointing the flashlight at her, being like, you're not real! And she's like, talk sense, darling. You can hear me. You can see me. He then like throws the flashlight at her and it just goes through her. (laughs) 
And cut to Ricky at the lake being like, faster, faster, take this, get this car out. Cut to Don and Ava. And Ava's like, you will be dead and wet and cold too. The car's coming out of the lake. And she says, don't you want to make love to me? Don't you want to know what you've touched? And her hand touches his face, but it's splooge skeleton hand. And he's like, and she's like, I will take you places you've never been. I will show you things you've never seen. And I will see the light run out of you. Ricky's trying to open the car door. Ava pulls her veil back and she's splooge skeleton. And Don's like, Ricky gets the car door open and her splooge skeleton is in there and starts crawling out on its own. And the skeleton falls to the ground and her skin, which was like in that lake for so long, it just starts like sloughing off. It's like, like honestly, Skella Frank would have been like, ew. Ew. <laughs> Grosso. <laughs> Yucko. And at that moment, Don opens his eyes. She's gone. Cops and Ricky are just staring at the body. Ricky is noticeably unhandcuffed, mind you. <laughs> I feel like they probably were just like, listen, we know you did it, but it was so long ago. You know, you've, it's fine. No worries. We'll just wipe this under the rug. You know, you're going to die soon anyway. And you're a white guy who's fairly influential in this town. So let's let bygones be bygones. What say ye, sir? Don is now trying to sort of, prop himself up, get up the stairs. And I'm like, okay, so you could have moved to the car easily. (laughs) Easily could have done it. Cut to the bell tolling in the town. Bong, bong. Credits. Where was Don going up the stairs? I think he was just like being exhausted. Going to bed. I guess he wasn't really going up the stairs. He was like propping himself up on a banister kind of. Oh, okay. But I just was like, okay, so that's the end. So no consequences for anybody. Ava's super chill. Like, okay, you just, you just found my, my sloppy splooge body and now I'm good. Bye. The end. One still left to die in my book. Yeah. Agreed. Don can live. He didn't really do anything. I mean, Don's fine. I think Don's fine. But he, Ricky, you know, he didn't do. He did do Helen dirty, but like she came out better for it. So she totally did. Like Helen is honestly won. like, thank you. Yeah, like, you know, she she won that that game. Um, but like Ricky deserves to like have Ava Alma's ghost tap dance all over his fucking face. Yeah, for, for sure. real. Um. So yeah, that was a ghost story about the patriarchy. <laughs> My favorite, the scariest ghost story of all. <laughs> Let me uh, total your points. Hi, Sammies. So we heard a rumor that you're not signed up for our awesome Patreon yet. What? Where are you getting your bone con then? It's cool. It's fine. You can still subscribe. 
Just hit the link in the show notes or search for us on Patreon. We're right there. We've got all kinds of bone con. That's bonus content. We've got mini-sodes, post-mortems, and Q&As, all live streamed. Polls, prizes, merch, and just a general smorgasbord of KK Sam. So join us. Or else. Well, Ms. Burns, mm. we did phenomenally in this ghost story of the patriarchy. Queen, you got five out of seven for your dead or alives. Five out of seven. Nice. For your questions, you got 25 out of 34. For a total of 30 out of 41. I'll Great job. It. Fantastic work. Thank you so much. Um, so that was a little Halloween ghost story. Thank you for telling me that tale. That spooky tale. Spooky. So um, this has been Kim and Kat Stay Alive. Maybe. So until next week. Stay alive. Bye. Put a ghost in me. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.